The views and opinions of this broadcast do not reflect the views and opinions of Armed Media, Unu Productions and its affiliates. Enjoy the show. Sarah Yusupov, Staba Manchon, Let's Talk Careers with Sarah, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, where I will discuss about your dream job, career coaching, answering your questions regarding careers exclusively on TuneIn Satellite and the Armed Radio Global Networks. Hello, hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Careers with Sarah. Um, I'm here every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I talk about careers. I talk about um, anything that can improve your career in life. Today, I have a special guest. Our guest speaker for today's podcast is Shmuel Potillo, CPA. He is the founder and owner of Shmuel Potillo CPA PC located in New York. Shmuel Patil graduated from Borough College right here in NYC in 2003 with Bachelor's in Business Administration in Accounting. He became CPA in 2013. Prior to starting his own CPA firm, Shmuel worked as a senior manager for several nationally recognized CPA firms, such as BDO, Saveman LLP, RSM, McLaudry LLP, and as a manager, he performed audits and tax preparations for companies with close to $2 billion in sales, as well as prepared various individual tax returns for high net worth individuals. He started his practice as a CPA in 2013, and currently, as a sole practitioner, he helps his clients with tax planning, as well as advises on wealth management. Shmuel's philosophy has always been to provide service with exceptional professionalism, respected the client's needs, and most of all, to know and understand the client's business and to care for the business as your own. Shmuel, welcome. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm glad to be on your show. Thank you. As um, my listeners, if you are new to my show, prepare a pen and a paper, and start taking notes. My show is very productive, so you would like to be ready with a pen and a paper. Shmuel, tell me about yourself. What led you to your career as an accountant? Uh, well, when I uh, was in college, back, uh, this is back in 2001, uh, 2000, 2001, I was working for a very big diamond wholesaler, where I would meet an accountant, a CPA, almost on a monthly basis and have a discussion as to what they were doing and, you know, why are they coming here for monthly uh, updates. And uh, I kind of got interested in it. And I spoke to the CPA several, on several occasions. And I liked the kind of job that they did. You know, the, the, uh, the whole idea of coming in and talking to the client, how they're doing and seeing how their numbers look. Mm. And that, and I like the idea of working with people, and I like the idea of helping people. So uh, as 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 I worked and uh, you know I saw that this is where I'm gonna probably go forward in my career, and uh, that's where it led me to become a CPA. And I uh, definitely don't regret it. I like what I do. And I have uh, numerous 
clients that I helped. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much my story about how I became an accountant. That's a very exciting career for you. Yes, very mm -hmm. exciting. I like it. Uh, I, I get to meet uh, people from very different walks of life. Uh, you know, you, you meet so many different people, and that's where I like it the most because I am a people's person, and I like the fact that all my clients are so different, uh, and uh, I get to learn on how they do their business and what kind of business they, they have and all sorts of information that I'm really excited to know for myself as a person. That That's fantastic. Now, I'm sure like when you meet people, you probably um, network with them. And yes. yes, networking is a very important part of... Uh, I, I, I think any business really, uh, it's not really just for people in finance or accounting, uh, because you never know at, at a meeting or, or at, a, at an event somewhere who you might bump into, who you might meet, and who might be your next big client. Uh, right. It's just the world that we live in. You know, you never know who you're going to meet, you never know who you're going to have contact with that's going to lead you to a you know, to somebody new in your business. Right. Even if you're just, even if you're just learning some kind of new information for yourself and educating yourself, I think it's definitely worth, uh, you know, networking with others. Yeah, and um, with so much regulations and so much like laws, how do you stay up to date on the current laws? Well, uh, as a certified financial uh, CPA, you are required by law to have what's called uh, CPE credits, which means continuing professional education. Mm -hmm. So uh, on one hand, I am required to do it. So the law requires me to stay updated on everything. But on the other hand, I myself are the kind of person where I definitely go and, and, and read about my uh, profession, read about the new laws, read about what's going on uh, in the tax world, in the accounting world, on a daily basis, because we, we live in a world of, you know, constant change. The, you know, the laws are changing, uh, our government leaders are changing, you know, where they bring in new ideas and, and new laws into the tax uh, code. So I want it or I don't, I must have, uh, you know, stay updated on everything. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's what makes me, uh, uh, you know, a different, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, and well-educated accountant, uh, because if you're not, you won't be able to help your client. Mm -hmm. You must definitely stay on top of uh, all these laws that that, uh, that are being changed on, on, on annual, even sometimes monthly basis. Mm -hmm. And um, what are the top three skills that good accountant has or should have? Well, uh, I think attention to detail. That's a very important part because as an accountant, when I read financial information, I have to have the skill, the, uh, the attention to be able to right away catch what I see, with where, whether it's wrong, whether it's questionable, whether it's something to pay attention to. Uh, and uh, the, the second most important part, I think, is that the concept of being able to see uh, through the eyes of your client, you know, putting yourself in the position where you have to look at the way your client sees everything, the way your client 
uh, understands the world and the way he sees his business. Because a lot of the times it's not going to be what you see, it's what the client sees. So you have to you have to be the kind of person that goes into the uh, you know the business owner's shoes and that tries to understand where he's coming from. So it's very important for you to become like I would say empathetic, not an emotional level, but empathetic as far as the business and try to to see the business the way your client sees it, so that you are you know. One and the same type of, uh, uh, you know, where you see eye to eye with your client, pretty mm. much. Right. It's like you yourself. It's like you yourself want that type of service from somebody else on the other side understands you. Exactly. Exactly. Now, lots of people have credit debt, and what methods have you used for estimating bad debt? Didn't hear the the question. Can you repeat that, please? Yeah, uh, lots of people have a credit debt. Okay. Um, what methods have you used for estimating bad debts? Like um, giving suggestions for clients um, if they should move forward with their decision or they should just um, wait for another opportunity before investing on something. Oh, well, you, you're talking about somebody who has a receivable. Where yeah. they, they, it, I, I'm trying to understand the question. It's uh, if they invested money in something and they lost it. Yes. No, they're in debt. Oh. Well, I, I try to always, uh, you know, advise my clients to make uh, very well-educated uh, decisions about their investments. Uh, don't, you know, never rush into investing money. We live in a country where investing somewhere and spending the money is the easiest part but to make sure that the investment is a smart investment a, a, you know a well-rounded educated investment is where I would say you have to be and even if you did lose money uh, at least uh, you know this time you have uh, more knowledge you're more uh, smarter although I don't you know I don't suggest that people, learn by investing huge amounts of money and losing it and learn their lessons that way but sometimes it does happen so but then again you have to always do your homework and do your due diligence uh, when you do investment uh, try to uh, understand it try to learn it and and the, the my rule of thumb is if something is too good to be true it probably is so you you got to be very careful where with where and how you spend your money and as far as how they would, uh, you know, write off the bad debt, they could write off the bad debt immediately the year that it happened. Uh, if they are 100% sure that, that this project is, is a failure and the investment is, uh, is at this point a lost investment, then, you know, we could definitely write it off. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail. There's, uh, you know, laws and regulations as to how much you can deduct depending on the amount of the loss. But you can definitely take a loss the year that it happened. Now, this is just um, for, let's say, to avoid the bad debts, right? Let's say if someone has 50K a year, 50K uh -huh. in savings account. And how would you develop a strategy to spend or invest on money? Well, <clears throat> If somebody has fifty thousand in savings, uh, yeah. I my depending where they are in their careers, depending on where they stand, I would definitely 
a lot of people, and I've seen this in my practice, a lot of people, when they save a little bit of money, they get into buying new houses, new apartments, and, and, and uh, invest the money by, by really creating more liability because they use that money to put down on something and then they have to now pay the mortgage on, on a monthly basis. So when somebody has a, a, you know, a set career and everything is going for them, that's a different scenario. But if you're just starting up, my suggestion is always to use that money to create some kind of a business, to invest money in another project where it will actually create a cash flow for you. Not mm -hmm. create a cash outflow, but create a cash inflow. Which means even if you put $50,000 on a 2%, 1% savings account, you're still getting some kind of return on your money. Mm -hmm. uh, so my suggestion, with if, if somebody has that much money saved up, don't right away hurry up to invest in buying a house or an apartment, especially if you're still young. I would hold off and try to see if I could you know, do something with that money more smarter to create more cash inflow. Because a lot of people uh, tend to invest money in, in buying houses, putting money down on a house, and then what ends up happening, they have a major cash outflow, and they they pretty much stressed out to get enough money in their bank to pay that mortgage. So, so what, what, what's I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that somebody was, you know, should not buy a house, should not buy an apartment, but I see a lot of youngsters that just starting up their careers, just, you know, save a little bit of money right away, go ahead and, you know, buy an apartment or a house, and they don't realize that having a mortgage is a big, big responsibility. Right. And then uh, what would you suggest for them? Okay, let's say not to buy a house, but what, what could they do with the money to double it? I, I don't know about doubling their money, but uh, like I said, I would invest in something, uh, something that's uh, going to give them some kind of return. Again, it doesn't have to be millions, you know, doubling your money, but if you can invest in a project where you, you know, make some kind of return on your money. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a, a lot of uh, good, uh, what they call crowdfunding investments. Again, I'm not a financial advisor, but there are safe, uh, secure alternatives to, to investing your money. Again, you're not, you might not get uh, extremely high returns but you're still getting some kind of return on your money. So, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that, that is that is kind of like beneficial that you get some return and not staying in debt. That's very yeah. good philosophy. Uh, describe a time when you help with taxes, such as saving on taxes, item mass deduction, or saving on cost for starting a business. Well, uh, a good example would be somebody that comes and says, okay, I want to open up my business and, you know, talks about getting a, uh, uh, an office immediately right away. So the, the, that's, a big, that's a big expense in a lot of situations, especially when you're starting up. So my biggest suggestion to somebody who's a startup in any business, if you can start from the basement of your home, or somewhere from your home generally, that would be more beneficial and will save you uh, a lot of money. And I know that's how I started my business. I started off from my home where I didn't have to pay rent. So that helped me generate some kind of leads and, and revenue without having the 
expense of paying the rent immediately. So mm-hmm. that in itself is a big savings for somebody who is a startup. Uh, as far as uh, itemized deductions, well, it all depends. You know, it all depends what kind of business that you're in. And um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big discussion. I mean, there's a lot of deductions that could could happen uh, for a business. You're talking about somebody who is a self-employed, I'm assuming. Yeah, somebody who is trying to transition from career to starting a business. Before making well, that jump, they need like, to know what, what they can itemize in order to save on taxes. Well, definitely, if you are a self-employed individual, uh, things like your internet costs today, everybody's on the internet. Uh, somebody who's starting up definitely probably has some kind of advertising expense. That would be uh, something that we could deduct. The, somebody who's using their cell phone for work could be a deduction. Uh, if they're traveling by train to see clients uh, or, or seek new leads, the, the, this is all a deduction. Uh, traveling, uh, you know, out of town by plane or by car, you know, you could deduct the cost of gas cost of air, the cost of staying in a hotel. Uh, there's a lot of, diff- depending again on what kind of business you're in, the cost of buying a new laptop for your business, uh, there's numerous deductions, meals with your you know, future clients or meals with your uh, current clients where you talk, you know, talk some kind of business at the meetings. So some kind of development, uh, developmental costs that you know, involve developing your business. So there's a lot of expenses that that are, that are out there that you could deduct against your revenues when it comes to uh, having your own business. Mm. That, that's very nice list that people can actually um, pay attention to. Um, listeners, yeah. if you are just starting to listen to the show, this will be um, after this show. This will be uh, put in a podcast, so you can actually go back and. Whatever you missed, you can start taking notes and go back again as many times as you need. Because it's very important information that Shmuel is uh, suggesting here that I really want you to have the benefits of the show in order for you to enhance yourself and in your career. Um, Shmuel, what are the characteristics of a successful employee in your organization? Uh, somebody who is uh, responsible, somebody who is uh, a quick starter that could solve problems on their own, uh, somebody who is uh, who comes on time to work. That's a very important uh, part. You know, you have to have somebody who is responsible enough to show up every day and and not be you know not come late one day and skip work the other the next day. So somebody who who knows that work is important and, and uh, treat it as, you know, something that that's very serious, not just, uh, you know, it's okay if I'll come late a couple of days a week. So somebody who is willing to learn on the job, somebody who does not get offended when you point out some kind of uh, mistake that they made, because we all make mistakes. I made mistakes. The, the, the most important part is that you, learn from your mistakes and, and become a smarter, more well-rounded, educated person at work. So when somebody at work gives you a, a you know, some kind of a critic, a criticism, you shouldn't really take it personally and, and actually 
uh, look at it as an opportunity to learn and grow yourself as as a as a professional at work. I agree. And uh, tell me about a person you admire and why they have made an important impact. Um, I, I mean, I have a lot of people that I admire in my life, but I would say the closest person to me that that I admire the most is my father, who. Uh, you know, who mentored me and, and made me into a person that I am today because he himself was always a businessman. And he actually uh, pushed me into becoming a, a CPA. And it's, you know, thanks to him today that I, I am the kind of person that I am. <clears throat> but he was the one who always gave me that boost and, and push to becoming and, and giving me the uh, advice that I needed to becoming the person that I am today. And, uh, and I uh, really appreciate that about my, my father. That's nice. So your father is actually like um, coach for you, you know, motivating yeah, exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. He's my coach. Nice. He's, the, he's the person that once told me, he said, even if you have the smallest business uh, uh, that not, does not bring you lots of revenue, the satisfaction you get from it is more important than the money you make from it. He said, eventually you will still get there, you, you, you know, if you love what you do enough. But having a business that's very little, you don't have much clients, is better than having a nine-to-five job. Right. That, that's what his uh, motor was for life. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of stayed with me until today. That's a very nice um, thought, saying, like, it's better than nine-to-five job. If you have even less clients, yeah, if you have the smallest there. business, is better having close to not nothing in your business than having a nine to five job because that close to nothing can eventually grow to something really big. Tell me when you were the most and the least satisfied in your career. Uh, the least satisfying in my career would be when I was, you know, working in these huge corporations as an associate. Um, uh, because I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm complaining about the corporate world, but it's not it's not an easy place to work at. There's a lot of politics involved, so that kind of uh, made me uh, not so happy at work uh, uh, at, at certain jobs that I had. Uh, but uh, and as I grew and and you know, as I worked more and, and grew up the ladder at the corporate level, I, I learned that, yes, when you are an associate, you're treated differently, so you feel that the job is boring, but as you grow, you, you learn that, you know, really it's not, not as boring as you thought. So, yes, my, I would say the least satisfaction was when I was an associate versus right now I'm very satisfied because I, I work, like I said before, I work with clients. And the, the, the biggest satisfaction is when I planned out in advance something for the client as far as the tax planning, and then it works out and you see the, the, the result, the positive result, and the client is happy and you're happy, and that, that's very satisfying to me. That's very rewarding at the, at the end of the day. And what do you do when you have tight deadlines and multiple tax returns to finish? Uh, well, I work hard. I, I do a lot of hours when I have to. I'm not going to say it. I have always, but when it comes tax season, I definitely 
work longer days and I work, uh, I don't work Saturdays, but I do work on Sundays. So I put in as, as much hours as I need to get what it has to be get, you know, done uh, at the end of the day. And I'm used to this, uh, you know, to this idea that, you know, when the tax season comes, I work close to 12 hour day, 12 hour shifts. Uh, and uh, it doesn't bother me because when you're busy doing work, the time flies so fast that, that your take kind of goes by, you know, you get in at 8 a.m. By the time you look at the clock, it feels like 15 minutes past, but it's already 8 o'clock. Yeah. So when you're busy working and you're, you're, you're satisfied with your job and you're happy at your job and you're happy uh, as to what you're doing, you don't feel the dread that some people actually feel at work because they're counting every second at work. With me, the time flies because I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm uh, and I'm just working through the day and it's like a breeze for me. I don't I don't feel that pressure of, of work even if, even when I'm working late hours. It's great that um, to have an accountant that actually not there for the money, but actually there to help the client to succeed. So I, I'm really like um, happy that you said that, that you actually love your work. And even though it takes you 12 hours to deal with income taxes, to do with whatever work that needs to be done, just to have this client satisfied and be on time with any, anything, any deadlines that that person has. Shmuel, for sure, for sure. Shmuel, if anybody wants to contact you regarding their tax return questions or booking an appointment with you, how they can reach out to you? Well, I have a cell phone, which is the best way to reach me. My number is 917-863-3157. I also have a fax, if that's something that they need to fax me. My fax is 718-799-1102. And my email, which is mostly used uh, by me, is info at paltlcpa.nyc. Again, that's I-N-F-O, info at paltlcpa.nyc. So I'll be more than happy uh, to take any uh, questions from anybody that uh, has any kind of tax issues or questions. So as you heard, uh, Shmuel can be reached out on the cell phone, 917-863-3157. I believe you also receive text messages if anybody needs to text you something. Um, now, for for the um, for the most part, um, how have you helped clients save money or better use their available financial resources? Well, there's a lot of different clientele I have that uh, I save money for. I'll give you a simple example. I have, I, uh, I had, and I still have that client. He's an Amazon seller. He's very successful. And uh, at one point, he had his warehouse uh, that he used in the city of New York. And in the in the, the tax code, if you are in the city of New York as a corporation, which is what he is, and to be specific, he's an S corp you are responsible 8.85% of New York City tax just because you're in the city of New York doing business. And he's in the kind of business, he doesn't really have to have a warehouse in the city of New York. Yes, it made it 
convenient for him because it was close to his home. But as I reviewed his uh, previous returns, I saw that he, you know, he paid a, a hefty amount to the city of New York by being in the city. And when I had a discussion with him, I said, you know, if you can move your operation somewhere on Long Island, upstate, which is out of the five boroughs, you will save 8.85% in tax paying, you're paying right now to the city of New York. So he took my advice. He got a smaller warehouse out on Long Island. And right now he's been in business after that. He's still in business for the past three years. He's been my client. And he's just every year that he's making money and he's very successful. As I said, he's saving 8.85% tax that he used to pay before he got me as the accountant. Uh, so right now he's saving that money and that's extra money for him to spend on advertisement, extra mm -hmm. money spent on developing a better website for himself. So that, that in itself alone is a huge help for the business because let's say he made $100,000, 8% of that would be $8,000 that he could have used to boost up his advertising, you know, on, on uh, Amazon. So he's very excited. In Long Island, what is the tax uh, bracket there? Well, if you're a, if you're a corporation, you don't really pay uh, uh, much. Again, if you're an S corp, you don't really pay much as uh, tax. It all goes by the gross receipts, so there is no stated rate for a corporation. Uh, it, it goes by gross receipts. So, an example would be if somebody grosses in a hundred thousand, they're paying fifty dollars. If they're grossing between a hundred to five hundred, they're paying $100, if they're a million dollar uh, gross company, they're paying $1,000. So mm -hmm. that's how that's how the state tax works when you're uh, an S corporation in the state of New York. So that's that's the tax pretty much. Uh, I mean, if you're a par partnership, it's a similar setup. Uh, if you're an LLC, it's also a similar setup. Uh, but overall, if you're a corporation, that's why sometimes it is beneficial to become a corporation. And then the income uh, the income from the corporation uh, on an S-Corp goes on a K-1, and that K-1 gets included onto the personal, individual person's tax return, and that's where they have to pay the tax. Mm. So there is no, there is no, you know, there is no such thing as, oh, if I live on Long Island, my rate is different. Yes, it is. Uh, you, you are saving because you're not in the city of New York. But the way you get taxes is where you actually work, not where you, I'm sorry, the other way. It's where you live, not where you work. So if you live on Long Island, yes, you are gonna pay less tax because you're not in the city of New York. Hmm. So we'll discuss more about entities and um, type of corporations. Uh, listeners, if you're still listening, Towards the end, we'll go over how you can open up your own business, even in your current financial situation. For for the income statement, Shmuel, what penalties what penalties can the candidate face? Okay, so the most uh, the most penalty that I've seen and, and actually learned about is understating your income. When I say understating, they they talking about your gross receipts. So if somebody earned, you know, $150,000 in gross receipts from, from, you know, fees or whatever type of business that they're in from sales, 
uh, if they're understating that that amount by more than ten uh, percent, that's that's a big. Uh, they they charge really big penalty at the IRS for that. Uh, there's the second. Uh, after that would be overstating your expenses. So if you, you know, saying that you had uh, $10,000 in auto expense, in reality you had 5000 that's not a good thing. I mean, I, I haven't seen anybody put to jail for that, but I did see uh, situations where the expense was disallowed because the client was unable to provide support for the uh, additional expenses. And also, uh, the, the IRS wants to see that it's uh, reasonable in nature and that it's necessary for the business to incur you know, such expenses. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have a misconception that they could write off their house rent and they can write off, uh, you know, having their uh, their kids go through uh, um, kindergarten or a daycare and. Yes, they do get some kind of credit for that on their personal return, but it's definitely not a business expense. So, uh, you know, there's there's the the very um, big line that separates the business expenses from non-business expenses or personal expenses. A lot of the times I allow the the clients and and allowed by law to, to expense the home office use. So if they're paying rent or they have a mortgage on the house and they're using certain square footage of the home for work, they are allowed by law to deduct uh, that part uh, on their tax returns. So, But it's very restrictive and you must have a dedicated space where you don't live, you don't sleep, you don't eat in that space, you just you know do business. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then you are allowed to partially deduct the expense of having that place, which means you can deduct partially the utilities used in that place, partially deduct the phone expense if you use the phone, partially deduct the rent or the mortgage interest, and the property taxes paid for the entire property. But again, you're taking a portion of that entire balance. But definitely, definitely not a good idea to understate your income or to overstate your expenses when, when in fact you don't have the support to support the expense and to prove to the government that this is a, a, a necessary business expense for your business. Mm-hmm. And will they get audited? For example, coming to their homes to check if it is... I a- have not seen that. I mean, I'm sure there are cases where if the government really wants to, and this is uh, when I read case studies, and I read a lot of case, different case studies, uh, when, when they discover fraud, uh, that's when the government usually comes in and, and starts to become more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's just an overstatement and it's an oversight, they don't really like And plus, it's a numbers game. The more bigger the numbers, the more the government wants to go after the individual. So mm-hmm. if somebody who's making 100000 versus somebody who's making a million, the government prefers the bigger fish because they can probably get more you know, uh, money from that person, yeah. more tax dollars that they did not get paid when they were initially uh, filing the return, possibly. Again, they had they would need to go and review and audit everything to actually come up with any kind of overstated or understated uh, income. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, make, makes me think, do, like, rich people get audited? Are they, like, on the radar? For- for sure, for sure. I mean, 
I've seen smaller clients get ordered. I've seen bigger clients get ordered. So everybody has a chance of being ordered. So that's why it's always a good idea to have a, a, a somebody who you know knows their stuff when, when it comes to tax law, and somebody who is going to guide you as to what you can and cannot deduct. This way, you know, it's. I, I hate to say it, but I've seen accountants that they do what the client wants and not what the, the law allows. So you have to be very careful because, you know, just because you have a great refund this year or you paid very little in tax does not make it right, does not make it correct. And then when you, in fact, get audited, these individuals will, will uh, hide and say, oh, I didn't do it, you know, it's your fault or whatever. I, I'm, again, I hope we don't have these kind of individuals out there, but it does happen from time to time, and, and I've seen it done. So you have to be very careful. And not to think, oh, but but this accountant saved me a lot of money. It does not mean he did a, you know, correct and legally allowed type of tax return. You have to make sure that the numbers make sense and you have proof because you never know if you get ordered. I don't know why, but I hear a lot of the times that certain accountants give some kind of a guarantee that they're not going to get ordered. Uh, I didn't. I don't know to this day how the IRS picks somebody for an audit or how the IRS looks at somebody who is a corporation for an audit. And so we all have an equal chance of being audited. So to me as a professional, when I prepare a return, I'd like to make sure that I have all the backup, all the information at hand. And I always prepare the return with the notion that if I get ordered or the client gets ordered, we always have all the proper you know, deductions and we have all the proper backup for all the deductions. This way, when the audit actually happens, it's going to be a breeze. We just send in the information, the, the auditor reviews it, and comes back with no change. And so that's where I, that's how I try to do my job, so that I don't create more problems to the client than they already have with their business or with mm. their work. Right. Now, um, I'm sure you probably have difficult customers. Um, give me an example of how you successfully dealt with someone who was difficult. Uh, well, yeah, I, I do have clients like that, and I, you know, you're always going to have that when you're your own business owner. Uh, somebody once told me, when you're employed by somebody, you have uh, one boss, but when you're working for yourself, all your clients are your bosses. Right. So. Uh, in a way, you're responsible for, uh, for everything. But when I have a difficult client, I never, uh, I never raise my voice. I usually try to explain as much as I can. I try to explain in such simple terms to the client something because uh, you have to understand that the fact that the client is not you and he doesn't know the tax law or the, the information that you know. So in order for him to understand it, in the frustration that he's having is because he's not understanding it. So a lot of times I try my best to just sit the client down, calmly explain everything. And, and a lot of the times when you do sit down and actually spend the time with the client, he, they tend to understand it better and they tend to get it better. You just have to give them more simplified examples uh, of what you're trying to, to, to uh, explain to them. So... Did, did it ever happen to you that uh, the client was so difficult that you ended up just, I would say in quotes, firing him? 
I mean, I did have uh, somebody who was, you know, yes, he was very difficult. He he was uh, a client that did, that refused pay to pay the sales tax. And at this point, I I just kind of, you know, didn't want to argue too much and fight too much. I explained to him as best as I could that he was responsible. And I just didn't want to take the responsibility of dealing with somebody who can cause me problems. Mm. Because if I'm if I'm signing off on something that's not correct, that's like saying you're signing up for for a fraudulent return at the end of the day. So if you as the accountant help the individual file such return, then you also a responsible person. So I mean, as far as much as I could have explained, I explained, and then the client decided that he's going to go to another account, which I was fine with because I just did not want to deal with somebody who's going to cause me more problems going down the road. And, and I explained them the law. I printed out materials that explains to them that they are responsible for the sales tax. They refused to understand it. And I said, I'm really sorry if you're trying to do something illegal. I'm not going to stand by you and, and, and condone such a thing because I don't want to get myself in trouble in this kind of situation. So, yes, there are going to be cases like this and that yeah, have happened, but again, it's part of the business. You can't, you can't, you can't have it all, as they say. So, mm -hmm. sometimes you are going to have dissatisfied clients for whatever reason, and sometimes you just have to let it go if that's the, you know, if that's where it brings you. Right, it's not even worth the the. It affects your health. It affects you know. It affects your health. It affects you know. Matter of fact, it's very interesting to me, like, again, because of the ever-changing uh, uh, laws and regulations. I think it makes my job more interesting. Uh, so it makes, I like to have a challenge every now and then, and, and this job provides me with that kind of challenge. So makes me want to learn, makes me want to stay on top of all the uh, regulations that are going on. and, and Again, and the fact that I'm meeting all these different people actually makes it more interesting and exciting rather than boring. So, so, yeah, so a lot of people before I went to become an accountant told me, oh, it's boring, you know, you're not going to like it, it's very repetitive. Yes, it could get that way and does sometimes, but again, that's just a very small part of the job. It's not just, you know, the repetitive work. You have much more interesting things. Uh, at, at work. Yeah, I feel like when you work for somebody, it can be repetitive. But when you work for yourself, it can be, you can challenge yourself, you can find ways to challenge yourself. Exactly, yep. And what advice would you give to your to your younger self? Uh, don't pro pro procrastinate. I, uh, you know, I, I took my CPA exam quite late in my career because I kept on putting it off. Uh, not necessarily... I wouldn't say I'm 100% I'm a procrastinator, but also you have situations in life where they force you uh, not to sit for the exam. And my situation was I was working, I was very busy at work, and even though I told myself I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it, 
it didn't happen until I actually quit my job and just took the exam full-time studying for the exam. But again, I think the important part is when you graduate you know, school and if this is your goal to become a CPA, don't procrastinate. Don't think to yourself, oh, I'll have another year, let me take a break. I think while you're young, you, your, your brain is where it, it, it's, the, it, it's at its you know, peak as far as absorbing information, understanding, and you can remember better, and, and all of these things, they play a very huge difference. And plus, while you're still on the roll of, of taking exams and you're, you're, you're already used to the idea, it's always better to just not stop that. Don't, don't take a break and say, oh, I'm too tired now, let me take a break for a year. So the most, my most uh, advice to anybody out there that's, you know, in school and trying to become, to become a master's in something or get an MBA or get a CPA and they've just finished their bachelor's, I would not procrastinate going forward right away immediately because, again, you are at the momentum where you're used to the idea of studying, you're taking exam regularly, so that in itself is a big, huge help. And you, I've seen this a lot of times where people take two, three years off and then go back to school, it becomes much more harder for them. Right, I was about to say, like, I'm guilty myself of being procrastinating. I mean, you have so much to do in your life and you just feel like whatever you want to do, it's not a priority. But I do believe that procrastination is something that really kills you. You really don't want to waste time, like two or three years. If you need to go back to school, go back to school right away. Because like you said, it is going to be harder because For sure. because of whatever For reason. Sure. It is going to be harder. For sure. Now, let me ask you this. If you weren't an accountant, what would you do instead? I actually uh, ask myself that question sometimes. I mean, I've always loved music. Uh, I did at one point uh, play in a few instruments, and I did go to school where, you know, I came from the former Soviet Union, and uh, in, in 1992, a lot of the people left, you know, former Soviet Union to go to various countries, including U.S. like us, and... Uh, I stopped my studies and I was really good in music. So I, I thought about it and I think music would have been uh, one of my second choices uh, as a career. Because I, I, to this day, I still enjoy playing and I do have you know, musical instruments at, at home where it, it's kind of my hobby at this point. I'm not gonna mm. make, make a career out of it, but I do enjoy music as much as I enjoy my work. And uh, so, yes, I think, uh, you know, That's maybe amazing. I would have become some kind of a performer, um, musician, if, if, I, if accounting didn't work out for me. Hmm. Now, let's say, um, can the listeners right now transition to self-employment with their professional background, uh, without going to college, without going to any training, but with whatever skills they have, can they transition to self-employment? Uh, I think for sure, very possible. And uh, I've seen it happen and a lot. Of, it depends, again, what kind of a job they have. The, 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 the beautiful 
part of the country that we live in, you don't really have to have anything, uh, you know, done as far as if you want to go into business. You don't need a license. You don't need to incorporate. You can just work under your own name as a self-employed, sole proprietor uh, type of individual. Yeah, there's uh, questions asked after, you know, you've been doing it for a while. There be, might become some kind of uh, legal liability if you don't incorporate or don't. But I would say the smart thing to do if you are going into any business, uh, transitioning from your current job to becoming your own owner, you don't really need to incorporate. You don't really need to get an LLC immediately, right away. If you do go into business, you could just work under your own name. But you do have to keep in mind that if you know it starts to grow into something that you did not expect so fast, you do have to think about you know incorporating because there are you know liabilities that could arise out of your job where you must be protected. You must have some kind of a protection for yourself against your personal assets in case you're being sued, in case something happens, and you know it's bound to you know something always does happen at work, at a job. So you do have to have some kind of protection. So and again, you don't have to get it right away, but eventually you do have to get some kind of uh, incorporation and incorporate your business this way. You do have this kind of barrier between you and the corporation where somebody's suing the corporation, they're not going to be able to sue you and, and have you hold you responsible for it. So it's a good idea to start that way without getting anything right away to save money. Uh, but if you see that the business is growing and everything is going as planned, you should definitely think about, you know, incorporating and, and getting a corporation. Shmuel is very knowledgeable about taxes and about accounting. So if you want to reach out to him, it's 917-863-3157. 917 he is located in Queens, New York. Now, um, as um, I know, like you explained right now about different types of entity and their benefits. Um, majority of the time, what do clients choose to open as? Well, it, it, it all depends. But in my situation, I think majority of my clients are S-Corps, uh, which is an S-Corporation. It's a corporation that's pretty much treated like a partnership in a way mm -hmm. where there is no federal income tax on, the, on such entities, which means whatever income the person earns from the business, it comes in uh, on a K-1 or on a W-2 if the person gave himself a, uh, a salary from their own business. So, but the corporation itself, unless it's filed late, there is no fee or, or tax of any kind that the corporation pays. So that is a big tax savings. So a lot of people choose uh, to become an S-Corp or an LLC, which is the other alternative. Again, the same, the same thing. The LLC itself pays the minimal, uh, it's like $25 per person uh, uh, per year. Uh, in, in uh, like a fee that the New York State, if it's a New York State LLC, some other state don't even have that. Uh, most most of the time, LLC is just a flow through entity. It's called called. So any income that the LLC makes flows through the individual. There is no federal tax on the LLC level. It's always on the individual. 
So between the two entities, I would say S-Corps and LLCs are the most popular ones. Uh, that's where most, you know, most professionals that are sole proprietors, sole practitioners, uh, you know, be it an attorney or a dentist or a doctor, they choose to be an LLP, LLC, a professional limited liability company, or a PC, a professional corporation. And uh, again, when they're a corporation, then we have what's called an S election that we have to do in order for them to uh, be treated like a small business corporation, kind of like a partnership. Mm. So those are the two, two most popular. I don't want to go into too much detail as which one is better the, over the other because it's very subjective to the specific situation the client has. Mm. Some people that live on Long Island would probably benefit from having an S corp uh, because they don't have New York City tax. Uh, some people that, you know, they like the idea of not having to file a separate tax return, they're single members, uh, then LLC would be a, a better choice because a single member LLC is filed on the individual's return under Schedule C, so they don't have to do a separate return from their own. So that makes things much more simpler, but then there's issues with Schedule C, which tends to get audited more often than, than other uh, parts of the return. So. Weighing all these things, I usually come up with the best choice for the client, depending, again, what kind of situation the client is in. Right. It's very it's very confusing. So um, you should definitely go to Shmuel, and he will explain to you, based on your ideal job or a side hustle, whatever that is that you want to do, you can reach out to Shmuel, 917-863-3157, and he is going to suggest you what entity you should be um, opening up with. It's very important to be legal and ethical about this because you might think you're saving money, but at the end it's gonna bite you. So go to Shmuel, he's gonna help you with whatever accounting needs that you have. Now, before we finish up Shmuel, I have a few questions left. Um, how do you define success? I think put in simpler uh, terms is when you, uh, you know, when you work and you enjoy your job and you also get compensated for it. And uh, that's very, you know, very satisfying feeling uh, because you're enjoying what you do. And at the end of the day, you're also being rewarded by being compensated for it. So the combination of the two makes uh, this a very successful uh, job for me. So I, I, that's where I think success as, as far as uh, your career, that's very important. To me personally, that, that's where I always uh, wanted to be and that's where I am right now. Right, you just follow your passion. That's, exactly. You know, it's not just the money, it's just where you're yes. happy. Yes. Okay, thank you, Shmuel, for uh, being with me tonight. I am very happy that you shared so much valuable information and I'm sure listeners are, are there listening and are having some questions to ask and we probably didn't cover here. Um, you can reach out to Shmuel 917-863-3157. 917-863-3157. Thank you Shmuel so much for being with me. Thank you for having me, Sarah, and uh, good luck to all the 
people out there that are trying to be successful and, and make it. And we're, I'm always happy to help whoever needs any kind of uh, tax uh, questions to be answered. Thank you, listeners, for being with me tonight. We'll see you next Wednesday. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Facebook. Let's talk careers with Sarah. And let me know what other experts you would like to hear on the show, and we'll make it happen. Tune in to Let's Talk Careers with Sarah here on Armed Radio Global every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Stuck on your careers? Hate your boss but don't know how to move on? Don't know how to ask for a salary raise? Then you need to listen to my show, Let's Talk Careers with Sarah, every Wednesday night here on Armed Radio Global. If you like this episode, please follow and share it with others. Join my group on Facebook called Let's Talk Careers Inner Circle. If you would like to be featured on my show, let me know in the group. Uh, and I have an event coming up, Career Readiness Workshop. It's on August 20 at 7.30 p.m. You will learn about job strategies, interview skills, and this will be your opportunity to network with others. More details, more details on bit.ly forward slash career readiness workshop. You are tuning in to Let's Talk Careers with Sarah. I'm aired every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. In this show, I talk about career advancement, resume revamps, interview expectations, how to stand out from the crowd, how to brand yourself, and skills you need to become a CEO. All of this is on Armed Radio on my show, Let's Talk Careers with Sarah, exclusively on TuneIn Satellite and the Armed Radio Network.